Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, I'm trying not to kill everything in my path right now. We just recorded an hour-long podcast breaking down the entire Alabama offense position by position. Best one we ever It was magical. It was back in – the conversation was incredible. It was natural. It flowed. It was going to win an Emmy. Yeah, that was was our mark. That was the one that was going to put us on the map uh, more than our loyal (laughs) listeners have already done. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened with the Zoom. But when we went to click stop recording – Instead, it announced that it was starting to record, even though it already did that, and we both heard it, and I just heard it again. Jimmy's handling this extremely well, folks. He is cool as a cucumber. He is the Nick Saban of technical difficulties and being able to live to fight another day. Me, I'm focusing on the last play. That's all I can think about. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to record this podcast. Oh, I'm the king of technical difficulties. This is this is why you're talking to a guy that – uh famously on my uh on my my other podcast i dropped my phone in the uh garbage can while we were recording the the show and it the phone stayed on so i did at least five minutes of the show with my phone at the bottom of a uh five foot huge garbage can trying to dig through the can well uh yeah so that that was my that was my low point of podcasting not not a not a failed record you kept going i'm so impressed man just kept recording the podcast here 
Well, I was letting people know what was happening, so they 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 were so they would know what all that noise was. But while digging around, I still uh, I still managed to get in some uh, some depth chart talk. Just nothing cool as a cucumber. It's like I said, nothing can be thrown at Jimmy. <laughs> there could be a, a bus drive through his living room right now, and he'd be like, "Well, that's they'll have to get that handled." But anyways, as I was saying about Jalen Milrow. I'm on the fourth floor of a, a Tuscaloosa condo right now. So that would be stunning. <laughs> that would be stunning. As I stunning would. as it would be, Jimmy would keep his cool and just keep on with it. Uh, we, we shall continue to talk about Trey Sanders and how he looked on Saturday. Get the missus to go check on the bus driver, make sure he's okay. We got a, we got a podcast to record. I, <laughs> just, me, on the other hand, I'm over here just falling apart. I'm like, man, just there's nothing. And you made a good point on Twitter. You said when you're talking, Todd. There's no such thing as wasting. It's huh? not. It's not wasted. I was blessed to hear your opinions for uh, for 40 minutes. So now we'll be blessed to hear more of them. And uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just we we did offense on the the one that didn't get off the ground. So we'll start today. Uh, today's show will be about defense. So we can talk about something a little bit different. And then tomorrow, uh, tomorrow we'll we'll talk about the offense. Yep, that's gonna be. And you're right. Uh, it's, it's not the end of the world. I think you put in the distance between the two. If I would have had to have immediately hopped back on and recorded the same thing, yeah, yeah. I might yeah. have been having to explain to the old old <laughs> girlfriend while we're buying a new TV because so I just put my fist <laughs> through it or whatever's near I've had near me. Uh, failing to record at shows that didn't record, and uh, yeah, what I've learned is just uh, hey, let's just change. Let's just keep going, but change the subject. Yeah, that's a smart thing to do. Now, what I want to do here is I want you to help me. That recording button is on right now, and I see it, and I saw it. Yeah, I see it now, and I was done. So it was equally my fault. I, I, I didn't notice uh, the lack of a record button. I just kept on going. Well, I, I, I don't know when it happened. And I guess when I went to hit the stop record, if it automatically did it, and then I went and clicked the, to click the start or stop record i clicked start and maybe it won't record two different ones i don't know if you stopped it and then started again maybe that will overlay because i had the four seconds where i clicked stop and it said that it was starting i don't know i don't know how technology works let's just uh, keep an eye on that recording button because i don't want people man if we go through a whole second hour and we, and we give the people nothing today oh man these fans are these fans want information and, and jimmy's over here crushing it bringing you guys all the little tidbits and <laughs> zoom is deciding you know what we don't want to that's that's sensitive information uh maybe this is nick saban maybe we were talking too much about all the the details of what happened here in the scrimmage that we weren't supposed to be sharing and nick saban said you ask this right now and they pulled the plug i think it was more i think it's more likely uh georgia georgia fans have infiltrated zoom and are just trying to shut us down i'm blaming this on palmer toms the one of the beat writers for yeah for on three Dogs HQ, it's his fault. I don't know how it's his fault, but I'm blaming him. <laughs> we are going to be talking about the defense today. We spent five minutes complaining. I told myself I was going to give myself five minutes, then I was moving on. We're not going to talk about it anymore. And defense, talk about it anyway. We're going to be really good. Oh, yeah. Defense, and there's a lot to talk about with the defense. There was a ton to talk about with the offense, but defense, every bit as much. And so we're going to be breaking that down for you on today's episode. And then, like Jimmy said, we're going to be talking about the offense for you guys for a second time uh, tomorrow. But as far as the defensive line is concerned, I've heard Justin DeBoyby look good during the scrimmage. Uh, we've gotten to see a lot of Jamil Burrows because Byron Young has been limited. That's presented a lot of opportunities. He's looked good. So just, Jimmy, tell me what you've been hearing about the defensive line or seeing with the defensive line 
Is anybody standing out to you? I know Nick Saban earlier this spring, he was asked, you know, as far as the interior pass rush, which I've talked about extensively, I think you need to have that complimentary interior guy, at least one. Tell me a little bit about, you know, are you hearing any guys emerge or are you hearing the same thing Nick Saban saying on the surface, which is, you know, there's been some good players. They're showing some good things, but nobody stood out from a consistency standpoint enough to bring up anybody's name individually. I think one of the reasons we don't hear a lot of names on the defensive line, Clint, is, uh, you know, in our scheme and the way we play and with, with the playmakers we have, a linebacker, a defensive line in Alabama is not really a, a premier playmaking position. And really these scrimmages or being a standout in a scrimmage is so much about playmaking and not just, quote, doing your job. I, I, I think we have a lot of good defensive linemen that are good at doing their job, but we don't necessarily have a lot of playmakers. So I don't really have names uh, so much as, you know, who is who has stood out this spring because Coach Saban's been pretty, pretty quiet about that and and reports from uh, from the practice field have been kind of sparse in terms of, hey, this guy's really making a move on the defensive line. But but that all being said, it sounds like I'm not high on the defensive line, and I actually am. Uh, I think missing Byron Young is big this spring because I really think he's our best. Um, I, I You know, last couple years we've had one defensive lineman sort of separate himself from the rest in terms of making plays, in terms of being – our go-to guy up front two seasons ago, that was Christian Barmore. Uh, and, and then this past season was Phil Mathis. Uh, I thought Barmore in 2020 was great. Uh, I thought Mathis in 2021 was great. Now, who's going to be that guy in 2022? I think it's Byron Young. Uh, it's his turn. But we don't have Byron out there this spring, so that's going to limit things. We do have three other defensive linemen that, with a ton of experience. A Boyd B, who's apparently done fairly well this spring. Tim Smith who has as much ability as anybody in that defensive line room. And, uh, and of course, DJ Dale, who, who, who we have heard his name because Coach Saban has sort of bragged on him as a guy that's, that's uh, developing as a leader, which is really important. So, Clint, I think between those four and then adding maybe one or two more to the rotation, and Jamil Burroughs is a guy you mentioned. I, I think he's a, the top candidate to add to that first-team rotation. I'll go with a, another young player, though, uh, somebody to watch out for Saturday, uh, somebody I'm going to be looking for that I think uh, we haven't heard much of him, but but he might be ready to make a move. And, and to me, that's Monkel Goodwine, uh, 95. I, I, I think he's a, he's a guy that uh, redshirted this past year. He's a leader-type kid, smart kid. Um, I, I, I think he might be a, a good candidate. If, you know, if we're going to go six deep in that first-team rotation, maybe Goodwine, but the way I look at it, Clint, is we have four proven guys uh, in Young, a Boyd uh Tim Smith, and, and DJ Dale. And I, I think Byron Young's going to have a, a, a special season similar to what we've seen out of Barmore and Phil Mathis. And, uh, and that's kind of what I think about that group going forward. Yeah, the thing about the defensive line is that it is one of the most seasoned veteran group position groups from a depth standpoint of any position on the roster. Uh, you you have several guys who have, have contributed, and we talked about going into the spring. We might not have an answer from who's going to be that impactful interior pass rusher yet, but I do think what we do have is we talked about Alabama typically likes to have six or seven defensive linemen in their rotation. It, that's kind of slightly decreased because they're using less three defensive line 
alignments and they're putting just two defensive linemen out there and having their two outside linebackers be their two, you know, stand up edge players or defensive ends with their hand in the dirt, one of the two. So I think that that part of the rotation might be able to be squeezed down to five or six instead of six or seven. And we said going into the spring, we know DJ Dell is going to be a part of it. We know Byron Young. We know Justin Aboyby. We know Tim Smith. But really, those were the four main ones that we discussed. And it was, okay, who's going to be that fifth? And who's going to be that sixth? And from an answer standpoint, I think we're starting to learn Jamil Burroughs is going to be one of those two guys. He's going to be a part of the rotation. How many snaps is he getting? I don't necessarily know. I couldn't really tell you. But... I did hear coming out of the scrimmage from somebody that I talked to, the defensive line is a lot further along than the offensive line. Now, that's not surprising. Both of your tackles, you know, on the offensive line are off to the NFL. You got two other potential starting offensive line. We know at least one of them is going to be starting in Emil Ikior Jr. We also have maybe a potential second that has not been participating in the spring in Darian Dalcourt. So you're talking about several players who are out or gone there's a lot more certainty as far as roles that are already clearly defined outside of that interior pass rusher and who's going to be on the field in those situations. We have a much better idea of how the defensive line is going to look. Now, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the outside linebackers because that also plays into the defensive front conversation. And I do think I will be bringing up another point on, you know, one of these defensive linemen when we talk about the outside linebackers because I think it's important. So let's discuss those guys. Will Anderson was back participating in the scrimmage on Saturday. Really, the first scrimmage, it was more by design why he didn't get a whole lot of reps from everything that we've heard or I've seen or heard is he was wreaking havoc on that defensive front for Alabama. You also had Chris Braswell doing some good things. Dallas Turner obviously doing some good things. Before I get into something that I found extremely interesting, I w- just wanted to get your basic thoughts on what you think about the outside linebackers so far. Well, it's the strength of the team, which is saying a lot because Alabama may have the best team in the country, and this is probably the best group in the country. Uh, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll talk all spring and summer about Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. They're, they're the best duo in the sport, uh, and, and we're so lucky to have them. I, I think – the guy I'm going to be watching Saturday is Chris Braswell. Just simply that if he, if he if he's taken another step in his development, if he is better now than he was a year ago, and 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 now Alabama's got three guys. Now I don't know that Braswell will ever be what Will and Dallas are because what makes Will and Dallas special is they're not just pass rushers. They're 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 just as good on 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 second and two as they are on on third and ten. Uh, that's what, that's what makes them special. They're, they're three down players, three down dominating players. Whereas to date, I think Braswell's been pretty good on third down. You know, he's a good third down pass rusher. Uh, if Braswell has taken a step forward and I believe he has from all things I hear and, 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 and apparently what you hear as well, if Braswell's taken a big step forward and, and now we've got three guys. Oh man, that's, that's so much fun. Uh, hey. It's so much fun. And here's what I find to be extremely interesting. It was a message about Dallas Turner. It wasn't intentionally about Dallas Turner. So first off, the person that I was talking to who was at, in attendance and watching the scrimmage, they speak in numbers. They don't speak in names. So it's not like they were saying Dallas Turner or Chris Braswell. They were sp- saying, you know, uh, 15 and 10 and, and 31. 
And what he originally told me was, he said, 31 is the real deal along with 32 and 10. So he said, Will Anderson is the real deal along with Deontay Lawson and Henry Tilloteau. Now, that's not all that interesting of a comment outside of Deontay Lawson being mentioned alongside Will Anderson and Henry Tooto, because my initial response to that when, when I was told was I asked if Lawson was playing alongside Tooto with the ones. And, you know, here's the message that I got back, and I'll read it verbatim to you. Best mm-hmm. on best is on the field at the moment. It is 10 and 15, but I believe 32 has been playing inside most of the day. I'll try to confirm. Now, I think he read my message as saying inside with Tooto. I was saying, was Lawson, I was asking if Lawson was playing alongside Henry Tooto. I think he misread that and asked, you know, is Deontay Lawson playing inside, an inside linebacker with Henry Tooto? But that's not the most intriguing part of that message. To me, it was the 10 and 15 part. Now, when I first read that, and what he's saying is Henry Tooto and Dallas Turner. And I was like, well, that's that's odd. And at the time, I just said, you know, that's interesting. So I'm guessing that Henry Tooto was the lone inside backer with the with the ones. They might have been in their dime package because I thought my source was confused on Turner playing off ball linebacker next to Tooto. Right? Mm-hmm. Apparently, right. he's not confused. That that would be my first interpretation of that. Would be uh, that can't be right. But as we've learned, uh, I, I believe that is right. That is, he was not confused at all. They have a package that they're putting together, and I think it's a very specific package. It's not like you're going to be seeing it a ton, but it's going to be able to get 31, 15, and 41 all in the field at the same time. So Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and Chris Braswell. And what they're doing is they have uh, Chris Braswell and Will Anderson as their two edge guys. They've got Jamil Burrows, which I thought was pretty interesting, is the lone interior defensive lineman, the, uh, the lone true interior defensive lineman. It's a dime set, so it's going to be one linebacker, which is Henry Toto. It's going to be six defensive backs. It's going to be three edge guys, the threes that I just mentioned, and it's going to be that one defensive lineman. That's going to be the makeup of the group. What they're doing is they're putting Dallas Turner next to Henry Toto as an off-ball linebacker. And pretty much in those instances, he's being sent on a lot of blitzes. So it's a creative way to get all three of your best pass rushers, your best true pass rushers on the field at the same time. First of all, we talked about that before. We thought they would get creative. I thought it would be Will Anderson who would be playing more inside. I didn't think it would be Dallas Turner being the one that was rushing as an interior pass rusher, but if he's playing off-ball linebacker, he's being sent on blitzes and stuff, he's the one. You know, you got the other two guys playing edges, and you can twist and do a lot of different things. But the point is, there's two interesting aspects to that, in my opinion. One is that Dallas Turner and the way that he's being deployed, it's not the same. You know, I remember when they first started transitioning Rashawn Evans from being an edge player to an off-ball linebacker. Hey, that's not what they're doing with Dallas Turner, so don't get confused. No, That was a slow transition. They played him very shallow, and they said, okay, you're either you know stopping the run. If it's pass, you're spying the quarterback because he has great closing speed. The quarterback tries to take off outside the pocket. They were using this against dual-threat quarterbacks, and it was very effective, and he looked very comfortable playing in space. Slowly made that transition. Really, the 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 point of Dallas Turner playing off ball linebacker in this particular set is just to get all three of your outside linebackers on the field. And really it's a dime set. You only want one linebacker as it is one true off ball linebacker is going to be dropping into coverage. You're sending all three of those, you know, Dallas Turner, 
Chris Braswell and Will Anderson. And then the other interesting aspect is that it's Jamil Burroughs out there as the one true defensive lineman, at least from what I was told. Right. That's not Tim Smith. That's not Justin Aboibe. That's not, uh, you know, obviously Byron Young's out, but it, it's Jamil Burroughs who, from his building stuff, you wouldn't think he has a lot of pass rushing chops. From what I've heard, he's, he's kind of better in that area than you would expect. So when you, that's going to be an obvious passing situation type of alignment and scheme. Jamil Burroughs being the defensive lineman. So just tell me your thoughts on that, man. I thought it was very creative. It really is. And, uh, you know, for as complicated football can be so complicated because it really is. And, and, and gosh, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a complicated sport in terms of the moving pieces and, 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 and schemes, but it can also be simple when you think of it this way. Uh, you ask your defensive coaches, the highest paid six figure a year, best assistant coaches, of the game, you ask them, okay, who's our best 11 players that play defensive football here. And if Braswell's one of your best 11, then you figure out a way, right? You figure out a way to play Anderson, Turner, and Braswell if Braswell's one of your best 11 players. It makes no logical sense to have Braswell sitting on the sidelines as one of your top 11 players while a player who's not among your top 11 is in the game. Well, so you certainly... You certainly wouldn't have it to where an obvious passing situations, one of your three best pass rushers is on the sidelines and not because you've got your two best. That's the type of defensive alignments and stuff where you definitely want to have, if he's a top three pass rusher, try to get him on the field somewhere. Right. I I think just trying to be creative, trying to be creative in in terms of, of, okay, how, how are we going to use this? Uh, And and when you got three guys uh, and, and boy, kudos to Dallas Turner, what a, I know it's 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 not rocket science, but the fact that he's still a true freshman, he's a true freshman right now because the school year is not over. He's a true freshman today. He's still a true freshman. And here he is learning to some extent, you know, the Mike linebacker position, you know, and, and that's just amazing. But uh, again, I love it. I love anything that that's creative, that's used to get your best players on the field. Cause in the end, it's all about your talent. That's all that it is. It's not about the uniform on your chest. If you went to Virginia and took the Virginia uniforms off them and put Alabama uniforms on them, guess what? Uh, they're, 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 they're Virginia. It might say Alabama, but you're going to get Virginia results. <laughs> Conversely, if uh, the Alabama players took a trip up to Charlottesville and got dressed out for a game, and they put those Virginia uniforms on them. Guess what? They're going to beat Duke seventy-two to nothing because they're Alabama. They're not Virginia, and that's what I mean. It's it's all about the talent, and, and at Alabama, are it, it's up to the coaches to put our best players on the field. So that that's that's what I like about it is, is the creativity. And I want to do the same thing. We talk about offense tomorrow. We'll talk about Jalen Milrow a ton, and uh, I, I, this fall he's going to be the backup quarterback. I think that's another guy that's we have to talk about how to use him because he's 62220 and runs a true 4440 and 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 can is capable of having a 200 yard game on the ground against Georgia. Well, he doesn't need to be just carrying a clipboard all the time. He's he's too much of a weapon. Uh and and and, and that's how I feel about Braswell. Too much of a weapon to just sit over there on the sideline and wait for garbage time. Right. Yeah. And I mean, when you talk about Five offensive linemen, 
you talk about one blocking tight end, you're going to probably keep a running back in as well, but it's still very difficult with the kind of attention that Will Anderson is going to generate just being the caliber of player that he is. He's going to demand a double team pretty much every play. If you don't, good luck. In some cases, he's going to demand a triple team. Then you throw a guy like Dallas Turner out there and you say, okay, now you've got a guy who is not quite Will Anderson, in my opinion, but he is one of the best pass rushers in college football, has the most pat, one of the most, one of the biggest upsides as a pass rusher in the entire country. That's a guy that in a, in a lot of cases, you're going to want a double team. You're not, also not going to want to leave him and in, in just, you know, man on man, single, uh, you know, blocking responsibility type situations. If you do, he's going to exploit the heck out of it. And he's going to generate double digit sacks. He's going to put pressure on the quarterback. So then you've got a, a lot for that. Let's say you're putting two on him. You're putting two on uh, Will Anderson. That's four guys. Typically, like I said, you're going to have the help of the back. You're going to have the tight end. But, you know, then you start talking about putting Chris Braswell out there, who's an extremely effective pass rusher in the limited amount that we got to see him last year. Very efficient pass rusher. If he's continuing to make growth as we hear that he is, getting him on the field, now he's being left on an island in one-on-one situations. It's allowing him to make a lot of big, impactful plays. And then you sprinkle in pretty much anybody. You could have, I don't care who that other, that fourth guy is at that point. If you've got that three, those first three caliber you know, pass rushers that are commanding attention, you either have one of those three being blocked with one guy or that fourth player is pretty much running free. And then it's just as effective as a, of a pass rush. That's going to be very dangerous for Alabama. And it's not something that you can do often. Um, I don't think that Dallas Turner is going to be able to hold up very well if they're running the football right at him, you know, banging between the, the A and the B gaps because, you know, that's he's lining up as an off-ball linebacker and he's planning. To, and that's why they're not going to use it on first and second down or potential run situations. It's obvious passing situations where they get those guys in the field together. But when you need that stop in Alabama at times, you know, especially a couple of years ago, there were some times this past year, third down, you got to have a stop, and Alabama couldn't do it. Having that caliber of pass rush with all three of those players in the field is going to be very difficult for offenses to convert in those situations. And you got, you know, a very veteran season group on the back half. You got one linebacker on the field in that situation, one true linebacker in Henry Toto Toto. He's got the opportunity to make some plays. You got Jordan Battle, DeMarco Hellams. You know, it could be Kyrie Jackson, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Brian Branch, Malachi Moore, Eli Ricks, the new transfer, any of those guys. Those, those are going to be the kind of players that are going to be playing behind that pass rush. That's a dangerous situation if you're an offense. And we're going to talk more about the back half of the defense now moving on, but just wanted to point out that I thought that was very cool, that, that they're trying that out because that's something that we talked about. Figure out a way to get all three of those players in the field, and they're doing they're at least attempting to get that done. So talking about the inside linebackers, we discussed Henry Tuotoo. This is his first spring in Tuscaloosa. He now has a much better idea of what's expected as far as him being the communicator, him being the field general. That very very much helps. He's a leader for the guys that are playing, you know, trying to start beside him and playing behind him. What are your thoughts on him? What are your thoughts on Deontay Lawson and Jalen Moody? You know, Jihad Campbell, haven't heard a whole lot about him. Kendrick Blackshire, very intriguing group of linebackers. What are your thoughts? Well, with Toa Toa, we know what we're getting, and that's good news. I mean, I mean, uh, think of this. There is not a, 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 a on defense, 
offense quarterback similar. On defense, there's not a position where experience is more important than Mike linebacker. It's like the quarterback. And when you got Toho Toho is about to be a four-year starter at Mike linebacker in the SEC. Who else is that? Who, who starts for four years at that spot? Uh, and I know it's been two different places, but it's similar defenses and the experience all helps. Then throw in the fact that athletically he's an NFL player. I know a lot of people, a lot of Alabama fans don't think of Henry in that light, but uh, the NFL does, and that's all that really matters. Uh, now, I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick because of his size, but he's a pro football player. He's a four-year starter at a position where experience is huge. He's the quarterback of the defense. I think he's the emotional leader of the defense. And I think Alabama's defense is going to be fantastic this fall. And Henry is a big reason why. Um, the spot next to him in terms of this spring, you know, was sort of billed as a battle between Moody and Lawson. I think Lawson's kind of coming off a minor injury. Um, you know, from my understanding, talking to people, you know, it, it, you know, the scrimmage is primarily moody with the first team, you know, alongside Henry. And I think all the excitement about Lawson, and, and I'm part of that, by the way, I've, I've helped, I've, I've been driving the De Deontay Lawson bandwagon for a while, even going back to high school. Uh, and I'm still super excited about him, but I just want to caution everybody. Don't, don't uh, diminish what Jalen Moody brings to the table just because we're excited about Lawson's future. Uh, Moody is a finisher and, and, you know, that word's kind of big to Nick, you know, I think, it, I think you'll, you'll hear, hear Nick say finish a lot. Moody's a finisher. And what I mean by that is uh, when Moody's involved, the play is over. Moody gets people to the ground. Uh, he is an excellent tackler, he brings a physical mentality and it, 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 he is a thumper. That's what I'd call him, but he is underrated as, as a player in space. I think Jalen Moody is also a pro football player, much like uh, I'll describe Cameron Latu tomorrow. Uh, Moody is not outstanding at any one thing, but he's pretty good at everything. And that's what will make him a pro football player. Uh, I, I feel the same way about Latu. Uh, they won't be first round picks or even Friday night picks. Probably not. They're probably Saturday picks, but I think they're pro football players. And uh, I think we're going to mostly see Moody, uh, at that spot next to Henry, uh, too much experience, great finisher, great tackler. And, uh, he's just one step short of playing pro football. That's, that's just too much to keep on the sidelines in my opinion. Yeah. The number one thing that's going to help Jalen Moody become an NFL player, because I don't think he's going to be a guy who gets drafted day one. I don't think he's probably going to get drafted day two, but what you look for when you start getting into day three is players who you think could end up helping your football team. If you're looking for, if it's that linebacker, a guy who you think could eventually start for you and at least be a steady presence. You might sometimes be looking for the high upside players that maybe aren't a finished product. That certainly happens. I think that's what happened with Mac uh, Wilson when he was coming out as he was a high upside player, had a lot of traits, but just had not put it all together at Alabama. It's one big reason why I think he should have returned. But with Jalen Moody, I think the number one thing that's going to help him being what I consider to be a, a day three pick is his willingness and his, impactfulness on special teams NFL teams right now they always every NFL team has that one quote unquote special teams ace and that's really they, they technically have a position you know Matthew Slater has been that guy for the New England Patriots for as long as I can remember he's listed as a wide receiver has he ever been a heavily relied on receiver has he ever seen significant snaps a receiver 
Absolutely not. He's a special teams player, and that gets guys new contracts. And I think Jalen Moody, he's been an impactful special teams guy at Alabama. I think he'll continue to be that on the NFL level, but he's also got the upside to be a steady starting linebacker or a steady depth linebacker who can be a spot starter, kind of like he's been at Alabama. And I think that that helps him end up getting drafted. But that's assuming that he starts for Alabama this year. That's just, well, not granted. I mean, maybe if, even if he didn't, there's still the possibility. But I'm saying that I'm not entirely sure he would stick around if he didn't win the starting job. And I don't know when that's going to be determined. I know one thing. This competition between Jalen Moody and Deontay Lawson, it is making both players better. No one is crumbling under the competition. I heard great things about Deontay Lawson. If you recall, when I was talking about the messages that I got for the last position group, we were talking about the outside linebackers. Remember I said that 32 was being listed amongst 31 and 10 as far as being the real deal from someone who was in attendance. Right. He's playing both first and second team, and he's making plays with both. And one, another source that I talked to who was at the scrimmage said he was all over the field. First team, second team, didn't matter who he was going against, all over the field. And I heard that about you know multiple players from various sources that quote all over the field but he was one of them that was listed. I think he's a very high upside player. Certainly think he is very much still in that competition. Do I think he's going to be with the first team next Saturday during a day? No, I do not. Do I think that he could be with the first team come September 3rd against Utah state? Still think that's a possibility, but I also know that Jalen Moody is doing absolutely everything he can to make it as difficult for Deontay Lawson as possible. He's continuing to get better himself. And I think either guy doesn't matter which one ends up starting I think Alabama is going to get production playing next to Henry Toto. So that's fantastic to see. At cornerback, this is a very intriguing group because I'll be honest, I just put out my depth chart projections for Alabama's defense leading up to A Day. I did the offense last week and I'll certainly update them as soon as A Day is over after I get my eyes on some of these guys. But for right now, I don't think I've been giving Kyrie Jackson enough respect. You know, he did give up that 97 yard touchdown. I still think there's some growth that needs to be made, but in the first depth chart projections, I think I put him as the number two without even being being given an or status. Now, this is projecting for the fall. This isn't where the depth chart's at right now. That's not the point of these articles, but I thought Eli Ricks, he was brought in from LSU to be a starter, and so I put him as the first-team guy. I also put Kool-Aid McKinstry as a first-team guy, and I didn't even give Kyrie Jackson the respect as an or player with either of those two guys, because it's a projection. I've changed that. He certainly earned the or status, and I've even listed him first because Eli Ricks has been battling a shoulder injury. He did participate in the scrimmage on Saturday. He didn't have a black non-contact jersey. That's very encouraging from, uh, you know, Nick Saban talked about him losing weight due to that shoulder injury and trying to come back from it. The pictures that I saw, he looked good physically, didn't look too lean or, off in any sort of way don't know what he weighs but at least you know he looks the part but I think that Alabama's got three very very good starting caliber perimeter cornerbacks so Jimmy what are your thoughts on those guys and have you heard anything about Tyrion Arnold uh actually yeah I've heard very positive reports on Arnold this spring uh but the fact of the matter is is, as you laid it all out is that Arnold is showed up a five-star and is apparently improving and they're very high on him and they think he's going to be a star, but good luck getting on the field. I mean, uh, McKinstry 
and Ricks are, uh, in my mind, McKinstry and Ricks are, are, are stars. They're not just good experienced players. I, I think they're star players and, and they're going to play. I, and, and Ricks has to move Kyrie Jackson out of the lineup because as of right now, as we know from people that were there on Saturday, you know, the starting corners right now are Kyrie and McKinstry. But, um, but that, that shouldn't be surprising. Ricks is coming off a minor injury. Ricks is still learning the scheme. He's only been there, uh, you know, 10 or 11 practices. Uh, I, I would still be confident, Clint, in a projection that the starting corners against Utah State will be Ricks and Kool-Aid. And Kyrie will be great off the bench. And I think Terrion Arnold will be great off the bench. I even think Earl Little is going to show up um, ready to play. And I don't know that there'll be a spot. I don't know that there'll be room. But I think Earl Little is a freshman that could show up ready to play because of his background and the son of an NFL player. And, and, and he works at it like crazy. He played at a good program, was coached by Pat Sertan's dad. Uh, Earl Little is uh, – He's going to show up ready to play. I, I just don't know that there'll be room for him or Arnold, uh, at least while Ricks and McKinstry are out there. I will say uh, one little thing that you probably don't know or that I was told by someone because uh, it's just a little different. It won't, it won't matter to anyone, but people that are into this like like we are, buddy. But uh, Traquan Fagan, who was set to uh, be part of the safety group, has been with the corner group this spring, and Fagan is with the corners. Now he's, he's a freshman, so – He's not, you know, uh, Fagans is not really playing a ton, of course, with the ones. But it's just interesting because we've had him earmarked for the safety group, which was the initial plan. But uh, the way the depth chart worked out, uh, he's been with the corners. So we'll make an adjustment to our little uh, private notes. Yes, we will. Actually, I'm uh, going in and switching that up right now on my depth chart projections. This is what happens. <laughs> they, they can be updated at any time. And Someone also pointed out to me on the message boards, they, they said, did you mean to leave your quick thoughts on the Jack linebacker group blank? No, it did not. Now, granted, <laughs> I do think that Will Anderson and Chris Braswell do speak for themselves. I uh, don't really think I have to mention too much about them, but that was not the intention. So I'm going to be going back in and adding my thoughts on that as soon as we're done and we wrap up this podcast. But we'll go ahead and talk about the defensive backs in general. We'll kind of expand this conversation from just the corners. I think that's a good call. I do like Kyrie Jackson. I think his length is important. We saw it in the, in the practice clip or in the practice video. In one clip, you know, he got a pass breakup in the end zone on, I think it was Treshawn Holden. And you can just, you see that length on display. He's a very, I mean, that's one thing that really helped Richard Sherman be so dominant in Seattle's defense back in the day was that at 6'3", 195, 190 pounds, whatever he was, his length was is very hard to get balls over him. And, you know, playing in – and granted, Alabama doesn't have the exact same defensive scheme as Seattle, even though there are some similarities. When you got a 6'3 guy playing corner, it's just hard to get balls over him. And I do think that Jackson plays with a lot of physicality. I do like his game. I ultimately agree with you. I do think Ricks is going to be the starter opposite Glenn McKinstry come Utah State. But having those three guys is very important. And Terry and Arnold, having him as depth, uh, Earl Little Jr., whether it be a star, whether it be, you know, as a perimeter corner, which is where I currently haven't projected because I do think you got your starting star in Brian Branch. I think you got your backup in Malachi Moore, who's got plenty of experience. He's going to be playing a lot of your money. And then, you know, he can play some safety if you need him to, but I think he can also play star if something were to happen. So from a depth standpoint, I think Earl Little's got, you know, at least two guys standing in front of him at star, if not more than that. I wouldn't know. You know, maybe Tyrion Arnold will play some inside. 
I'm not really sure what the coaching staff would do in that instance, but I love Earl Little Jr. as a nickel corner playing inside on slot receivers. He's very physical. He's scrappy, loves to, you know, uh, jam guys the line of scrimmage. Just love the way he plays the game. I think he can play inside or out. At safety, a lot more depth than I had originally anticipated. Now, I liked Alabama's depth at safety, but mostly because I thought, well, the good news is they have two starting caliber stars, in my opinion. If something happens to DeMarco Hellams or Jordan Battle, who are two of the best, you know, one of the best SEC safety duos in the conference, if something happens to one of them, a guy like Malachi Moore can shift back. Now you got an experienced player who's played some on the back half of your defense. Malachi Moore played safety against Miami, looked pretty good there. So I thought you've got your injury situation covered if something happens. Not only do I still think that's the case, I think you also got some true safety depth building. You know, we heard a lot about Christian Story coming out of this scrimmage. He's another guy that I haven't gotten my own eye on yet. Haven't got a chance to see him play. Can't wait to watch him. Even though he was in a black non-contact jersey in the videos and clips and stuff, I don't know if he'll be participating in the spring game or if he'll be wearing a black non-contact jersey where it kind of limits what he's allowed to do at all. But multiple interceptions, had two. I think he almost had a third, but he dropped it. Big time. You know, he's a guy that you've talked about a lot being one of that kind of next wave of safety. I've definitely thought that he was one of the main candidates, but maybe I haven't been giving him enough credit. I think Alabama's true safety depth without having to move Malachi Moore or Brian Branch to safety in the event of an injury. I think that looks a lot more solid than it even did, which tells me the entire, I mean, the entire group at corner, at star, at safety, all three positions. If an injury happens to the frontline guy, I think you got a you have a player that can step in and not necessarily perform to the same degree, but you're not having the significant drop off like you would, you know, at a lot of other positions or at a lot of other schools. Oh, I, I love the safety depth. Uh, when you if if you I mean Battle and Helms are an experienced great group. Battle's an All American. Helms is good. He's good, and I, I don't think we ever get to see the real Helms because he, he has battled ankle injuries. Uh, and my understanding is he's in a black jersey now, although playing, uh, you know, and, and so so we, we haven't really seen the real Helms except for a handful of games. And, and I think he's really good. Obviously, the staff loves him. But with those two as the returning starters and uh, Branch and Malachi Moore, they're part of the safety room, even though they don't play safety in the games. Like you said, Clint Branch and Malachi sort of split time at star. And I think we're going to see Malachi Moore playing the, the money position uh, for Alabama this this fall but so that's four guys and and then you get to christian story who i think is is probably starter capable at this point uh, i love christian story uh I, i'll go this far on him this is what i think you know alabama's likely to lose all these safeties when the season's over battle will be gone in the nfl helm's going to the nfl brian branch sounds like he's exploding into into being a three and done uh player from that slot uh slot corner position uh, so if, if Alabama loses Branch, Battle, and Helms, safety sort of becomes a uh, disaster, frankly, <laughs> going into next season. But I, I will believe this. Don't worry about Christian Story. I mean, in, in my mind, he's practically a returning starter that's never started a game. But he'll be a fourth-year player. He knows the scheme. He's a smart guy. He's made plays in every scrimmage since he's been there. He's just had a crowded group in front of him. He's got 
excellent size and speed for the position. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm huge on Christian Story. I don't think we'll see him at all this fall, but he'll be a guy I won't even worry about next spring uh, when, when, when Alabama's got to replace three or four safeties in the starting lineup if Alabama continues to use safeties at star and money. Uh, Christian stories would be one of those guys. You, you, you can put that down in pen right now. Yeah. And I mean, he played a lot of different things in high school. So allowing yeah. him, you know, he's listed as an athlete coming out, allowing him to play safety. We had even heard rumors that it's possible he could start off at quarterback. And then some people were saying running back. Some people were saying receiver safety was certainly an option ended up on the defensive side of the football. And now that he's had a couple of years to really focus in on one position and get good at that position and comfortable at it. He's starting to become a high-caliber playmaker, and I think that that's really going to benefit Alabama's defense in the future. Speaking of Brian Branch, you're 100% correct. I've heard nothing but just incredible things. I talked about you know, how everybody, and, and I guess we'll be talking about this more tomorrow, talked about how everybody that I've spoken to about the quarterback position has brought up Jalen Milrow in, 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 in positive ways. It's been the same thing with Brian Branch on the defensive side. He's mixing up. You know, he's mixing things up a lot against the run. He came on a blitz. He tipped a pass from Bryce Young during the scrimmage to himself, and he returned it for a pretty long touchdown. Really good blitzer off the edge. Adds a whole new, a whole nother element to Alabama's pass rush. We talk about in those situations where you got, you know, Chris Braswell, you got uh, Dallas Turner, you got Will Anderson. When you start also bringing what's proven to be a very effective blitzing star, in Brian Branch, you throw that into the, into the mix. You're not going to do that every time, especially if you have those three players on the field at the same time. Maybe you don't feel the necessity, you know, to do that. But I'm saying having that threat and that element for your pass rush is something else the offense has to worry about and they have to account for. And so that makes them very dangerous. Also been a guy who's been creating turnovers. I know he had a forced fumble during the scrimmage. It's not just interceptions. It's forced fumbles. It's run game. It's pressuring the quarterback when being asked. You can't really ask for more from that position. That's what made Minka Fitzpatrick so good. I'm not saying he's Minka Fitzpatrick from the skill set standpoint, but Minka would mix things up against the run. He would create turnovers. He was effective when he was asked to blitz or come off the edge in, in, uh, in pressuring quarterbacks. There's nothing from that position that they're not capable of doing, and I think that's what you ideally want in that position. Can cover slot receivers. You know, Brian Branch, if there was a weakness to his game, which I'm not saying it's necessarily a weakness, but it's probably the weakest part of his game, he did get lost in coverage a couple of times trying to keep up with some of these quicker guys in man coverage. Good in that area, not elite in that area, but he's certainly good enough where doing all the other things, he's going to be a very high-round draft pick. Would not be surprised at all if this was his final season in Tuscaloosa. So keep an eye on that. Malachi Moore, whether it be a star, whether it be a safety, think he's going to play a lot of the money this year, think he's going to, you know, reemerge as a starter maybe next year, which is totally fine. Maybe if you got him and Christian Story as two of your experienced guys, you got Kool-Aid McKinstry coming back. Uh, you might have Eli Ricks, depending on what happens. You could end up having several returning starters in the back half of your defense. But like you said, you're going to be replacing a lot of these guys too. So something to keep an eye on and certainly a conversation worth having. But Jimmy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. This has been a lot of fun. Once again, we'll talk about the offense tomorrow. Uh, it was a great conversation earlier. No people are going to look forward to hearing that tomorrow. So, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me, brother. Just looking forward to A-Day and everybody getting to see all these guys uh, Saturday, all these new faces. And, uh, 
yeah, there's a lot to talk about. It's not a game week, but it's the closest thing to it. And we're going to actually, I mean, you're going to get Jimmy's thoughts on what he sees, not what he hears, what he sees on Saturday. You're going to get my thoughts on what I see on Saturday, not what I hear. Very different. Looking forward to having the ability to do that with you guys. And so next week's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be doing a lot of 8 day preparation this week. We got a mailbag. Had planned to do it today, but then when I started thinking about it with the scrimmage, I knew we elaborate on a lot. We break down a lot. You know, I was like, we'll probably go ahead and record a couple episodes on this Monday, which we have done, even though only one of them was actually recorded. But one of them is going to come out today. One of them is going to come out tomorrow, probably the mailbag for, for Wednesday. And then from there, we'll probably be doing some quick, not super long A-day preview leading up to the game and kind of you know, question marks we have, things that we're going to be looking out for and that you need to be looking out for. So I'm certainly looking forward to that. So, uh, Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you, and we will talk again soon. This has been the Bam on 3 Show, and I'm your host, Clint Lamb. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.